0: Hey, I'm Steve Fallen. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for marketer Luanne Wise.
1: My late father had his own business. My brother has his own business. So, you know, mum says we're unemployable people and it was always <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> get a mentor or get a coach and actually having that second person to help you plan your business and to think ahead and to kind of almost report to, yes, you are a freelancer, but you're a business owner and you've got to think like a business owner and build your own resources around you. And having a coach is just hugely valuable to keep you on track.
0: So there's Luanne. That's our chat this week. Don't forget beingfreelance.com is full of guests now and episodes that you can look back through, and also the vlog to boot, which it's very different. So basically, the podcast is me chatting to freelancers, hearing their story, but the vlog is actually me as a freelancer living my story. Oh, write that down. That actually, that sounds like a sounds like the trailer to a film, doesn't it? Living my. So I'll, I'll make a note. Um, but no, really, that's that's basically what it is. And like I. I've said this before, I felt like a bit of an idiot recording it all uh, at the beginning. But yeah, sort of like 20 episodes or whatever it is now in. And it's interesting, Like e- even if No Bugger watches it, it's interesting for me like to chart through what I'm doing and what I'm thinking through. And like the other week with my nightmarish first VAT return, um, which, you know, as a plot twist, isn't going to make it on to Downton Abbey, but is real life and, and what I'm going through at the moment. So anyway, check that out as well. So the vlog... And the podcast, if you hit subscribe and tell other freelancers about it, that'd be awesome. Right now, though, let's crack on and go to Cheltenham uh, in a very nice part of the UK and say hello to freelance marketer Luanne Wise. Hey, Luanne. Hi, Steve. How about we get started hearing about how you got started being freelance?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It wasn't really a conscious decision. It wasn't ever part of a big plan, but I was working in-house. I'd been in my in-house marketing role for five years achieved huge amounts in those five years, the business itself, my own skills, what was happening, and the business had grown significantly and kind of got to that five-year stage and had the conversation, what next, what happens now, where do we go? And there really wasn't a straightforward answer to that. So it kind of left us, left us pondering and thinking what would be right for all of us. And so actually the decision in my in-house role was for the next six months with agreement with the shareholders was that I would stay in my current role three days a week and I would go and work in the shareholders other business two days a week. So effectively trying to do the same as I'd done for one organization, but for the shareholders, other ones. So for six months, I did that two days and three days, which actually for me was great because my career started agency side working for multiple clients and multiple accounts. So it was very much going back to that world a bit for me, which was wonderful. So did that for six months. Then we all sat down around a table for a review period and decided that actually The way forward for all of us was that I would go freelance, but I would stay working with them both as my first clients, which was, you know, very different from a lot of freelancers. So here's two client contracts. When do you want to start? (laughs) Um, And so I had we gave ourselves three months for me to talk to accountants, do my branding, set up a website, get myself ready to do it. Um, Then we announced internally and externally that I was going freelance and then it was quite simply pack up my desk one day and go from being on a payroll to being a contractor.
0: Wow. So in your head before that point, had it occurred to you to ever be freelance?
1: No, not really. I think I'd come from an agency background, as I said, so you always had new clients and new projects on the go and actually in hindsight every role I've ever had in my career has always been a new role so it's always been something that I could shape or develop into something that that worked and and grow so no but looking at at my family my late father had his own business my brother has his own business so you know mum says we're unemployable people and it was always going to (laughs) happen
0: how long into your career was this for example so you said you worked in agencies before that
1: yeah, so I did eight years in agencies, five years in-house, and then freelance. So, And I've been doing that for six years now. So,
0: Awesome. With that in mind, then, I guess you didn't necessarily have, as you say, much of a, a plan or anything when you went freelance. But you had to sort of – were they like on a retainer kind of deal with those clients, was it?
1: Yeah, retainer. So I was effectively their, still their marketing manager – I just didn't go to the office every day. Um, I still fulfilled that marketing manager remit. And then mm. my my other clients kind of from day one were all kind of that same role. They were marketing manager roles where you don't have someone in-house full time because the business doesn't necessarily need it and you don't necessarily need the five-day-a-week, you know, the role's not that big. So, so it kind of works quite well as being an outsourced resource.
0: So how did you go about finding those? Other first clients.
1: Other first clients. Well, this is also great and you kind of don't realise in the moment at the time, but because I was setting up the business and obviously there's a certain amount of time when you can't tell people what you're doing, but then there comes a point where you're ready enough to tell people what you're up to. And one of the first people I told was actually a very good friend now, but she was my boss on my placement year for university. And and I told her and... A few weeks later, she mentioned that she'd had a meeting in her networks and had come across someone who needed a freelance marketer and had mentioned my name and put me forward. And it turned out that actually it was an organization that I'd worked for in my summer holidays as a student in part of the building. And they became my first client kind of 15 years later. So, <laughs> so you know, never burn your bridges, keep in touch. Um, and so, yeah, so I went back to the organization where I worked in a bar and a restaurant, um, to become their marketing consultant, which was just amazing.
0: Wow. I mean, that without knowing it, you were building your network.
1: Building your network and staying in front of your network and telling people what you're doing. Yeah, you know, that is what I've been doing without realising it. And every single one of my clients for six years has come through a referral, or someone I've met or someone I've been in front of. Nothing has ever actually been cold business development. Nice.
0: Because yeah. I was going to say, you know, you've spent all of that time marketing and marketing for others. I was going to say, like, how did you then start to market yourself?
1: So, you know, from day one of, you know, starting my freelance business, I had the two contracts with my previous employer. Actually, I got signed to this other new opportunity within the first two weeks of being freelance. So I was, you know, busy from day one. So it, it was just networking and. And marketing yourself is really difficult. I'm guessing, you know, it's the same for, you know, builders and their own properties and and things like that. It's really difficult. And last year I launched, I wrote a book and I published a book in November last year. And and I said to a couple of my friends, you know, it's really difficult marketing yourself and promoting yourself. And they're like, you've been doing this forever. That's what you do. (laughs) But you just don't necessarily see yourself as a product or a service when you're a freelancer. You, You don't always necessarily think in that way
0: you need to. So what led you to writing the book?
1: A couple of things. I started...
0: And by the way, sorry, I, it's a social media book. It's it not is. like a novel. No, 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 no. It's, um,
1: it's called Relax, It's Only Social Media, uh, A No-Nonsense Guide to Social Networking for You and Your Business. Um, it started because over the past two or three years, I've done quite a lot of talks and events. So I had a lot of content already, and realized that, you know, I had all these presentations, so I needed to repurpose it into another format. I'd started to think about, oh, one day I'd like to write a book, um, as you do. And I went to a networking event, and I was speaking. And one of the delegates, as you did the kind of the five minute intro around the room, she stood up and she said, I'm an author, and I help other authors stop procrastinating and just get on with it. And I thought, that's the lady I need. Um, can we have a cup of coffee? And then basically, then I had a book writing coach and it happened in about six months.
0: Wow. How, how did you actually go about it? Like, did you like set aside a certain amount of time a week or, or? I
1: think, yeah, you know, some people say, how long does it take to write a book? And one answer would be six months and one would be the 15 years um, <laughs> of, of doing the work. Um, so it's very much about you know, actually, go, you know, going back to marketing, who's your book for? Who's your audience? What do you want them to know? Um, what information do you want to get across? And it was working with my book writing coach on on pulling together the content. I'd done everything I learned in the kind of the Q and A bit of talks to pull it together into into a book format. And that happened quite quickly. Um, I set myself a task of a chapter a week. And I'm a person that if you give me a deadline, then I'll hit it. But I need that deadline to work mm. too. So. So that's what I did.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So even when it's you telling yourself your own deadline.
1: Yes. You have to. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, I could still be writing it, whereas I was like, I'm going to do this by this day. And I just did it. And and I think there's also this, don't be too much of a perfectionist, you know, be a perfectionist, but at some point you just got to do it and just finish it and get it out there.
0: Yeah. Did you have an audience, for example, ready for your book like I don't know like from a blog or a newsletter or from regular events I don't know yeah
1: so um, I'd done some blogging not a huge amount but I obviously started doing more because as I was writing I could test some content with some blogs and I did have an audience or I do have an audience from talking at lots of events since I went freelance I've been a volunteer with the Chartered Institute of Marketing I've led their Gloucestershire team and I sit on the Southwest Regional Board which has given me lots of opportunity to speak to other marketers and ask questions and, and, and test the content in presentations as well. But also six months out from knowing when I was launching the book, yeah, I had to you know ramp up my own activity. I had to build my own online audiences a bit more and tell people what I was doing. So yeah, I had to do for myself what I've been doing for others.
0: And is that an ongoing thing? So if this was November, this is only like six months ago. Yeah.
1: Um, and and that's the thing as well. And it's, you know, again, it's still hard to do yourself. You kind of, I get these reports from Amazon and then you kind of go, actually, I need to tweet about my own book, don't I? And, oh, I haven't told anyone about it this week. <laughs> um, you know, you've got to just keep going and going and, but try not to, you know, I don't want to promote it every single day because that would have the opposite effect. So, yeah. There's a box of them in my room, and you have to keep telling people about it. <laughs> uh,
0: you mentioned the was it the Chartered Institute of Marketing. Marketing, so that's interesting. So, had you been a member of them already, or like, like what made you get get involved there?
1: There's a number of industry bodies for marketers. Um, I was a member of the CIM, but I, for. A longer period, I've been a member of the Institute of Direct and Digital Marketing, and that's actually who I did my qualifications with. But I became more involved with the Chartered Institute of Marketing because that was the that's the route in the UK to become chartered. So you can become a chartered marketer after you've achieved a certain level, and it means that every year I have to submit CPD records. So I have to demonstrate that I'm always learning and keeping my skills up to date. So for me, that was... That was the route to do it. And, and and going freelance, I wanted to meet some other people. I wanted to meet some other marketers and, and have that network because I didn't have it in an office.
0: Yeah, and that network isn't necessarily bringing you work. So it's bringing you...
1: It brings you contacts. It brings you people. It brings you opportunities. You know, I've, I've met people at events. Um, I've become friends with people on the volunteer networks, people to have conversations with you know the, the website and all the resources and the library so in turn yes that does lead to work
0: <laughs> let's talk about doing the work then like wh- where do you work from
1: um for the past 5 years i've been working from my home office um or i work from client sites or co-working locations you know there's, there's coffee shops and, and business hubs that you can just go and rock up and grab a desk and a cup of coffee so wherever wherever works really
0: how do you decide when to leave the, the home office for example do you split your week up consciously or do you think oh i've had enough i'm going to starbucks or wherever
1: that's that's changed over time and i think that's something that you need to be quite conscious about as a freelancer in terms of not thinking that you've got to be at a desk nine to five and starting to get into the flow of what time of day works best for you um and where works best for you um So obviously, you know, client meetings you would usually go to them. So your week kind of starts structured around where your clients are and where you need to be for that. But it depends what I'm doing. So if I'm if I'm writing, I will very much, you know, stay at home or actually I might go away for a few days and and lock myself in a room. Or if I've got presentations to write, I might go, do you know what, I need to just get some space and focus here and you know, my local coffee shop is really great for that. So I don't think it's about staying in one place all the time, but it's about knowing how you work and where you work best on the type of work you want to do. And I work best very early in the morning. Um, So, you know, recording this at three o'clock in the afternoon, I wouldn't be doing anything right now, productive. I'd be shuffling some (laughs) bits of paper um, because, you know, my head is done. Um, But give me a couple of hours and I'll, you know, I'll probably do another two or three hours that are really productive work. And, and it's about going with that flow and not thinking that you've got to sit there for this, eight hours that you're structured to do from the traditional office environment.
0: God, that's so true. I think
1: that's down to how you work with your clients as well, because if you've got thinking stuff to do, you can't do it when you're getting emails and phone calls. So you structure your day around what what do I need to do? When do I need to be available for clients? And firefighting and kind of responsiveness versus when do I do my thinking and writing again?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, How many clients, for example, would you say you're working on at the same time?
1: Um, I think right now I've got eight, eight clients. That some are you know more involved than others. Some are at different stages of working with them. One I started working with in January, so we're doing a lot more right now. Another client I've been working for for two or three years, so you know it's steady. You don't need to um, engage too often. We both know what we're doing, and that you send a monthly report um, and crack on. So it's it's having regular retained clients that I find is is best um, obviously for you know security and um, just being part of the relationship as as much as anything but then sometimes you know big projects might come along so.
0: But how do you then find that you balance or manage your time and also manage the communication that is you?
1: Yeah I think it's about having strong relationships with your clients as I said you know most of mine come from networking or referrals so there's some kind of relationship there you know in the lead up to actually working together so you kind of know each other and how you want to do but it's setting out from the beginning you know how do you like to be communicated with you know how's this going to work and and i have one client who who texts me and just says when you're free give me a call so we kind of know how we're going to work together and and the other is you know letting people know you know on a monday morning right this is what i'm doing for you this week and this is when you're going to get it so you just manage yourself and and the relationship rather than trying to firefight or you know chasing people for for things
0: and then you say that you give them a, a report as well so you're like tracking each yeah project.
1: yeah well a lot of the work I do now is very much you know setting up their activity working with them on activity and making sure that it gets results so you need to look at the numbers and and just having that opportunity to step back and look at what's going on and what we need to do to improve is is a real important part of using someone outsourced from the business
0: so when it comes to those projects is that done for example on an hourly basis or a daily basis or do you say this project is going to be you know this amount of
1: i think <laughs> setting setting pricing is one of the hardest decisions as a freelancer I'll say when I started, it was very much, you know, what did I earn as an employee and how did that relate to a freelance day rate? Because, you know, traditionally things are done in hourly rates or or day rates, but I don't think marketing is a commodity. So it's really difficult to say, you know, it will take me two hours because, you know, a two hour drive, you can have some amazing ideas, but can you charge a client for that? Or, you know, If I work at three o'clock in the afternoon, it's going to take me three times as long to do something that I could do at six (laughs) in the morning. So, you know, you you can't expect to fill every hour of every day at a rate. So that's kind of my opinion on it. And my opinion is actually it's more about a remit, you know, something to deliver, um, how it's going to work and what you need to achieve. Yes, it does relate to time. But, you know, you need to take into the client's requirements and their budgets and, and what the work involves and, and just make sure that it's fair for everyone, really. You know, it's it's about value and what you add to the business, not clock watching. Right. She's done 10 minutes and, and and charge that amount.
0: No, that's great. But also when you've got multiple clients and I kind of like have this. When you've got multiple clients, how do you know that you can't take on that next project which suddenly comes to your door?
1: Um. If I go back to my agency days, the, the account that I managed, we actually had over 80 individuals across the UK and they each had their own budgets and their own responsibilities. So I guess, you know, from the very beginning of my career, I've been a multitasker and just can do that. Um, I think the danger of freelancing is that you, it's very difficult to say no because, you know, there's an opportunity there and you think, well, how do I say no and why am I going to turn work away? But I think that's just something over time that you just know You know whether you've got the capacity to do it, whether it's interesting and stimulating enough to want to do it and find the time to do it. But there can be such lead times. You know, I might get an inquiry today and and you kind of think today, you know, my diary doesn't allow for it. But actually, they don't need you to work with them for three months time or four months time when your calendar can look completely different. So I think it's about building that confidence in yourself and having the conversation with with the potential customer or your existing customers about yes we can work together but this is what I've got available or this is this is how I work and this is how it could work because clients don't always know the answer to that themselves
0: yeah so really it's been a sort of trying and error have have you like where you've taken on too much for example
1: oh absolutely yes I've done that and then some days looked at my list and actually one of my pieces of advice for a freelancer would be to get a coach to get a mentor or get a coach um a good couple of years ago I, I got to that stage and actually you know phoned a friend and she said come round and I explained to her everything I was doing and who I was doing it for and what work I was doing and it's only when you kind of explain it to someone else and look at it, you kind of go, I don't know why I'm doing that. Or, you know, why, you know, why is that happening and, and not doing this? And, and actually having that second person to help you plan your business and to think ahead and to kind of almost report to in a certain way. So, you know, now I know that if I'm going to take something else on, I think about, can I explain this to her? What would she say and tell me to do? Um because you don't always have that as a, as a you know, one yeah, person yeah. In, in your home office. So my biggest piece of advice is, you know, yes, you are a freelancer, but you're a business owner and you've got to think like a business owner and and build your own resources around you. And, and having a coach is just hugely valuable to keep you on track.
0: So it's interesting. So that was probably what, three years into being freelance? Yes. So what was it that did you just feel overwhelmed and suddenly thought, because you said a friend, So was it initially just, I need to talk to somebody rather than I need to hire a coach?
1: It was a friend in my industry that does coaching.
0: Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. I like the fact you you got the book coach, obviously seemed like an obvious thing to do. Yes. So, um, So, yeah. So what was the trigger point?
1: I had an issue with a client that I just didn't know how to respond to and needed a second opinion. So I did need someone who understood the work I did and the world rather than, you know, husband and, and, and other friends that that aren't necessarily in that world and yeah it was just a bit of overwhelm of like you know I just don't know how to handle this situation and and I don't have a, a line manager or a director anymore you know what do I do?
0: But that's since grown into a regular relationship kind of yeah, thing. Yeah that was a kind of
1: like maybe you need to think about coaching um, and this is what coaching can do for you so. Yeah. um,
0: So how often do you see or speak to or d- deal with?
1: Um, It's quite structured so One of the main things we've done is to build a plan for the business because obviously when I started I had these existing contracts with previous employers and I had new opportunities coming along so I just kind of cracked on with the work. But then it was, you know, do you have a plan and are you looking at the numbers and have you set yourself targets and and it was all just about formalising things a bit more. So setting up the plan and now I know to kind of report to myself Sometimes it's structured like I've got a project coming up. I'd really like a session on this and can we plan it? Um, or other times it's it's a bit ad hoc. But I know that person is there when I need it and I know now when to call for help.
0: Yeah. And how do you find that then?
1: Oh, it's brilliant. It's 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 brilliant. It, keep, it keeps you on track.
0: Because that's the thing, isn't it? Where um, spending money, basically, spending your money on something, isn't it? Where it can be tempting not to
1: i think it's quite difficult as a freelancer you know especially if you've come from from corporate worlds and and you're used to you know if you're going to a conference and you book yourself into a big hotel and then suddenly you've got to pay for this yourself and you've got to pay for the for the coffees and you kind of like you know you can't you can't do that you know so there's a certain part of you that makes you quite cost conscious but then on the other hand i think you need to look at things and kind of go you know this is a business expense this isn't a personal expense this is I need this for my business and I'm running my business. But just thinking about all of that, you you know, you've got to keep the costs quite tight and focused, really.
0: You know, that's outsourcing uh, because you said think of yourself as a business and bring in who you need. So have you ever had to bring in other people that you might need to run your projects?
1: I don't outsource much of the work itself, unless it was something like graphic design or web development, that's you know a specific skill that that needs to be kind of bringing something together to make a project happen. But for the last two year, two or three years, I've also had a, a virtual admin assistant, um, and again, I didn't know that they existed. I didn't know it was something that you could do. That you could have this person that is a person that you can email and go, can you do this? And can you have a look at this? And can you take all my receipts and match them up to my accounting package every month? Um, so, uh, yeah, I've had a, a virtual admin assistant, you know, a, a few hours a month, but just picking up those pieces and, and helping me take that bit of the workload away so that I can concentrate on what it is I do best.
0: Nice. So they do like accounting type admin. She's, like... she's a
1: bookkeeper, yeah. So Oh, yeah. so
0: that's actually part of their... Yeah. And what other kind of stuff might you ask them to do then?
1: Um... It can depend on the project. So sometimes it may be some background research for a project, or it could be, for example, you know, making sure that all my links on my website work. Or if I'm traveling, can you keep an eye on my inbox for the day and let me know if this happens? Um, I have some e learning courses online, so she'll do all the enrolments if a, an order comes through. So there's some kind of regular tasks yeah. diary and time management, bookkeeping. But then, you know, if I got a big project tomorrow that required some support she can help with that too.
0: Yeah. When did you first get into doing speaking?
1: Um, About four years ago, it was um, a meeting. We were talking about planning events and I had opinions on what kind of events we could do. And so we kind of threw them around and we had some ideas and then it came back to the end and we're like, okay, well, we'll go with that idea that you had. Um, Oh, but we don't know a speaker. And I just kind of went, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. It'll be fine. I said, yes. Yes. And, you know, one of my close friends says, you just say yes and then you worry about it later. And so I said yes in about the March and then it happened in the November. And I think there was about 130 people in a lecture theatre and I did it and it was okay. It was it was it went well. But then I thought, do you know what, actually, if I'm going to do this. I'm going to get some presentation training um, and I met an ex-BBC journalist who did this presentation training and he locked me in a room for about three hours and videoed me doing short bits of talks and then made me watch the video and I was like, okay, well I need to stop doing that and literally <laughs> ironed out all the bad habits of kind of fiddling and fidgeting and in and ahhing and looking at slides when you don't need to. Um, so I kind of felt that I'd put a bit of thought and practice into my presenting and just kept Saying yes,
0: awesome! I love the fact that you 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 go. I mean, you've you've mentioned personal development a, a lot. Yeah, so that's so cool. And so you do quite a lot of speaking now, don't you?
1: I do. Yeah, <laughs> um, I find there's there's something about learning that I can't. Remember, you know, there's that quote about you know if you can't explain it simply enough, you don't understand it enough yourself. So the kind of the process of putting together a presentation means you need to think about how you do things and what you know and what examples are out there to be able to explain it to other people. And then it's kind of a, you know, it's it's a it's a group consultation approach, really, because I try and involve people and ask them what they think or what they're doing. And then we kind of have, you know, it's really quite a discussion around, well, this organisation I work with have done this and I know someone's done that, or how would I handle it? So, It's really a a learning opportunity for everyone because I can take as much out of it Mm. afterwards from the Q&A and feed that into my book and future sessions. But it does take the planning to start with in terms of the content. And I kind of enjoy that bit of it.
0: Did that speaking then lead into the sort of coaching or workshops or your online courses or however you might
1: Um, It did lead into the online courses. So um, someone came along to a presentation I did, um, who worked for an online learning company, and just said, you know, what you need to do is is take that and put it into an e-learning format so that you don't need to stand up and tell people how to do, how to change their profile picture or how to change that setting, that you can essentially scale your business of one person to have the courses that do the how-to stuff, but let you just do the bit that you really love and you really enjoy about the the top tips and the case studies and inspiring people to do it and then they can do that how-to stuff in their own time so it's a it's a way of complementing what I do and supporting it rather than just go away and do it online and and don't talk to me
0: yeah now I'm sure because you've been now this this is on your like a about page type thing that you were and but this is this is good. Where, oh, man, what was it? Oh, here we are. One of the top five female marketers in the UK says LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> yeah, that um, that's the best in-mail I've ever received. Um, <laughs> I received, I have it pinned up next to my desk. So it's February the 19th, 2015. I got an in-mail from LinkedIn's UK PR company um, that says, you've been selected as one of the best connected female marketers in the UK can we use you in our PR campaign for International Women's Day so Ah. I kind of squealed a little bit and ran away and (laughs) and then went I don't know if this is real what do I do about it has that led to things well yeah you know putting that on your profile makes you know stands out there's a lot of people in this industry so anything you can do makes you stand out and actually I work for LinkedIn now
0: Nice.
1: So, um obviously I kept in touch with LinkedIn, um, looking for opportunities and in Well you you, you say
0: obviously. Yeah, right. Obviously. <laughs> oh, okay, obviously. But, obviously. It, but it might not be obvious to everybody that you then stay in touch with those people. That's the thing. Yeah. So you make you make the most of those opportunities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So okay, yeah. so yeah, networking, staying in touch with people. You know, my first new client was someone I'd, you know, met fifteen years earlier. So you you. <laughs> You can't forget people and and you can't let people forget you either. So so anyway, so last year, um, in touch with LinkedIn again, doing some online auditions and tests for their online learning platform, which is lynda.com, which they'd bought previously and is now integrated into LinkedIn. So their online learning platform did some auditions, did some conversations, mapped out a potential course, got signed as a as an author spent a few months writing the course um was assigned a producer and each week we had skype calls to practice and he coached me how they do things and how you should write online learning courses and learning objectives and and style and things and then they fly you out to california to record it
0: (laughs) Flip it, <laughs> Um You'd already done your own courses before this point. I had
1: done a couple of my own yeah. courses, yeah. But my own wow. courses were my own courses were text based and uh, interactive computer tasks. LinkedIn Learning is videos, so it's I, I didn't do voice to camera. I did voiceovers on my first course, which I recorded in October and was released in January this year. And actually, I'm just two weeks back from going out, having been out there again to record two more courses, which are out soon.
0: Wow, good for you. So that sort of comes from making the most of an opportunity. But presumably, you must be pretty active on LinkedIn as well for them to see you as like... a
1: Yeah. That, and that's what, you know, one of my... You, you've got to demonstrate this stuff. You know, it would be... It wouldn't be credible for me to work for LinkedIn or do write a book about social media or talk about social media if if I didn't do it all day every, you know not all day every day I'd love to do that um but you know I've got to be there because I learn as much as I information I share and I test things and I see things so you, you you've got to do it you can't just read it in a book and uh, and make stuff up you've you've got to be in there
0: so would you say out of like all the platforms that are available to us that linkedin has been Really useful. Uh, besides work, getting work from them, like really useful in actually your freelance work.
1: It has because the kind of clients that I've always worked with are business to business. So I haven't worked consumer. I haven't worked FMCG or or retail. So you know, LinkedIn is a business to business platform. So that's that's where I was um, as an employee, and that's where I've kind of spent my time and and like. Um, I also really love Twitter. And now, you know, Instagram. I, I I love the the environment of Instagram, and it's kind of that. It's that nice social media place that it's just about sharing photos and likes. There's no
0: negativity. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's no <laughs> there's no smugness or or anything around Instagram. It's just yeah. you know nice sharing. There's nothing negative, or I've had a bad day, or I don't like this in that world. So it's it's a nice place to go.
0: Yeah. So LinkedIn really for you is a is a great place to keep those connections that you've made alive, just seeing what people are up to interacting with their stuff, I guess.
1: Absolutely. And, it, you know, LinkedIn isn't as fast paced. So if you don't have it open and check in every 10 minutes, you're not missing stuff like you would with, you know, with Twitter. Mm. Um, so, you know, you can comfortably check in, you know, even if it was once a week, you'd be OK. You know, just do a couple of updates. You can still be active On LinkedIn without spending loads and loads of time so and I think it's much more business quality focused than this has rushed into my head I'm going to post it stuff
0: do you feel like uh, because it sounds like it's all going really well yeah (laughs) (laughs) was it like a a a tipping point would you say or do you feel like it's always just been on a, a a good trajectory
1: I think I thought that it was just going to be having another job and you have a job and you crack on with it but Maybe it's the kind of person I am, but it's constant change. It's constant, you know, what am I going to do next? And what am I thinking of? And after I finished, I said about the timing of my book. Well, actually, that was because of recording in California and everything last year was the timings of the book. And my husband came with me on the travels and and the books had literally arrived the day before we flew. So I had the, you know, had the box of books tick, flew out to California, recorded the courses tick, go out to dinner with my husband. It's all done. And I went, I think I might write another book. And he kind of went, can you not have a night off? And I was like, okay, one night. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and, and I've started planning my next book on the plane home. So maybe it's just me that doesn't stand still. But I think you've got to keep changing and you've got to stay up to date. Otherwise, you you, you just get stuck in a rut, I think
0: yeah awesome now i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself make two true one a lie let me figure out the lie what have you got for me
1: okay so um if you've had a look at my website you have seen that on my homepage i put that i'm a huge shoe fan a shoe lover and um, that is one of the, the facts on there it's probably not telling you um giving you too many clues um the second one is that I'm a planner. everything I talk about in social media is about planning and um, having plans and writing business plans and having objectives. I didn't have a business plan for the first three years of my business um, and I don't actually like speaking.
0: oh man okay I, feel, I I mean I just feel like through our conversation here, but I know the art I know the art. Because I, I don't get the feeling that you don't like speaking. So either that's because you're a brilliant liar, and you thought I'd better not give in. But I don't enjoy doing this beforehand. I don't think that you're the sort of person who would do it so much if you didn't enjoy it. Planner, you are a planner, but you didn't have a business plan for three years. That could well be true because about three years in, that's when you got your coach, and so maybe that's when you got serious in that respect. Shoe, shoe, shoe lovers, you, you love shoes. You're a shoe lover. So, so the lie is that you don't enjoy speaking because you love it.
1: Um, it's kind of a part lie. So I don't like. I, I will say yes at the time. So if you ask me now to do a conference, I go yeah 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 that'd be great. Put it in my diary. Um, the day before the event, and even up to the up to the point that I start speaking. I don't sleep I don't eat I feel <laughs> sick um, I pace up and down um, you probably if you organise an event you'd look at me going what on earth have I done because she's not going to be okay and each time I kind of, I don't know why I put myself through this What? why am I doing it I, you know I, I really don't want to do it and I can't do it and it's all going to go horribly wrong um, so in terms of speaking it's, it's, it's the night and the morning and, and I will always ask to speak in the morning as well I will never <laughs> do the four o'clock slot so
0: it won't ruin your day yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I just get incredibly nervous and worried.
0: So if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be?
1: Um, from day one, think like a business owner. Don't just think this is your new job and you can work from home and you've got some freedom. You know, it's not just about the word free and freelancer, you've got to think think like a business owner from the very, very beginning.
0: Luann, it's been so nice talking to you. Thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com and you will find links through, of course, to Luanne's very bright and lovely website. And you can also, of course, find links through there on beingfreelance.com or on Luanne's site to the book as well and the courses and things like that. But well, good luck with the stuff with LinkedIn, by the way. That's very exciting. Thank you. And, uh, And all the best being freelance.
1: Thanks, Steve.